Welcome to Secondhand Stories. I'm your host, Jim Zabo. And I'm your host, Colleen Stewart. So, I uh, just want to remind everybody, today we'll be doing another episode about, like, body image-related topics, um, which ties into our episode from last week. Uh, first, I wanted to go through a couple of reminders that we haven't done in a while. Um, we'd love it if you took a second right now to go rate and review us on iTunes. I noticed right we're now. getting... Right now. We've been getting some more listens on iTunes, but we'd really love some more ratings because it helps people find out about the show. Um, second, we just want to remind everybody where you can find our website, secondhandpodcast.com. You can find out about our guidelines. Uh, if you want to send a story to us, you can find all of our previous episodes if you want to listen to our back catalog. Um, you can also find links to our social media sites there. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Secondhand Podcast, but this time it's 2ND Hand Podcast instead of s-e-c-o-n-d hand podcast you just throw a lot of information at them jim yeah uh yeah well i'll pick and choose which of these um people just go on our website everything is there just do it you are all full capable human beings yeah i have full faith in you and our website's awesome because you know who made it jim yeah uh last thing we do we have an email campaign we send out emails every week with our new episodes so if you go to secondhandpodcast.com slash newsletter you can sign up to get an email with well, our latest episode. I totally forgot about that. I, I'm even uninformed, people. Yep. It comes every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So if you missed the Ew. episode on Thursday, you got all, you know, nice, slow down, you listen your, up Sunday. You read your New York Times and your secondhand story, secondhand podcast newsletter. Mm-hmm. There it is. All right. Sorry, so. Cucumber. <laughs> that's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Danica Miller's story, uh, Dollface. Um, I performed the story. I narrated it. Um, so sorry. Oh, uh, my sweet potato is rotten. Oh, oh so sorry. No. <laughs> that is horrible. Oh my god, it's so squishy. <sighs> god, that was terrible. See, sorry, I thought I thought you were I thought you were reacting to me reading the story. So that's better. That's no, better. no, not at all. Uh-huh. Um, it's been a while. So we're gonna play the story now, and we're gonna talk about it after it's done. She looks like she's made of porcelain, they say. I am, I don't say. The spotlight exposes my soft sheen, my permanent blush, and blue glass eyes. She looks just like a doll, they say. I am, I don't say. We twirl and twirl across the stage, endlessly spinning tops, wobbling for effect. I am tossed and caught, so close to shattering. She looks so fragile, like she's about to break, they say. I am, I don't say. Ballerina incarnate, what else is there for a doll to do? Where else will they not question my unchanging body, my perfect scarlet lips, and my eyelashes as thick as their hairbrushes? And so I dance. I am danced. Sometimes at home, In my house for a doll, I try to slouch. My arms stretch out, reaching along the spine of the lavender couch, too graceful, and I try to shift my hips at ugly angles. I push my pelvis to protrude, trying to look as broken as I feel. But I just look like I've been tossed, like these movements are still not my own. The mirrors that line my wall show me nothing beyond a doll flung onto a plastic couch, 
waiting for someone to play with her. Hours pass. In the dressing room, the other girls who are not dolls talk of their rituals. They compare bloodied and bruised toes, share fuel consumption tips, and bond over their imperfect ways to perfection. I used to try to join in, but I had nothing to offer. I have no recipes for avocado mud masks, no vegan alternatives for pasta, no discount dealer for drugs that numb the pain or ebb the appetite. I once asked if there was a drug that created an appetite. They laughed. And then they laughed harder when it took me too long to join in. Their hands brush their stomachs where their abs are clenching in a flutter of pain. In the studio, I fret over appearing flawed. I practice blinking, force jagged breaths when I should be tired, stretch and flex my muscles as if they feel stiff, as if they exist. We have a view of the city. Windows line one wall and mirrors on the other. I'm surrounded by my reflection, surrounded by walls as fragile as I am. I place my hands on the glass. I wonder, if I pushed, which of us would fracture first? My body never tires and I never break a sweat, but my mind grows weary, foggy and full from pretending, pretending that I put my makeup on before I arrive, that I take my lunch outside for the fresh air, that I like to keep a private personal life, or that I actually have one. The hardest, though, is to pretend I don't hear them whispering. They don't even bother to whisper anymore. They buzz like bees whose hive has been threatened. They hate me in my unfeeling perfection. They detest that I get the lead roles, the best reviews, the most attention from the producer. They hate that I don't even have to try to earn their jealousy. How are you still wearing your slippers? Aren't your feet screaming at you? Another prima plops down at the vanity next to me. She says this accusingly. Yes, I'm afraid if I did take them off, my toes might fall off, I say. Her soft huffs are nervous. She isn't sure if I'm serious. I think they'd like it, though if my toes did fall off. I'm stretching on the bar, but I do this just for show. I can almost imagine what the pull of tendon and muscle would feel like as I lower my head to my knee. I wish for the pain. Ivan, often cast as lead with me, approaches the bar. Will you stretch me out? He asks. I drop my leg from the bar and sit on the floor, stretching my legs out into a wide V, like a flock of geese migrating. He does the same, his flock connecting to mine. His toes align with my slippers, and he reaches out. My hard, cold hands slide into his. He grips them without saying anything. He grips them like he's holding chalk in his hand, and too much pressure will crumble it. I slowly lean back. Pulling him forward, I'm tugging him closer but the distance between us is unchanging. Why do you always look like you're about to cry? He asks me. Sometimes I wish that I was, I say. Crying? Sure. My frozen smile doesn't placate him. He whispers, It's not real. I wish that I was, I whisper back. I can't wait for our ensemble to tour. 
will only have one day off each week, only 24 hours to lay unmoving, only 1,440 minutes without purpose. Our production this season takes a lot of risks in the choreography, with an entire aerial section. This is exciting. If I'm honest, I like when they almost drop me. When my face falls for the floor, I feel real fear. Almost. My mind measures the possibility that I could crumble against the floor. That maybe this porcelain skin would splinter into blemishes and scars. Ivan murmurs as we rehearse. I've got ya, he says, as I leap without hesitation into his arms. He thinks that it's because I trust him, which I guess I do. But really, it's because I want to feel that fear. He spins me round the waist as I hold a pirouette, winding me up like a music box ballerina. His warm hands leave shadows of sweat on my leotard. After rehearsal, he follows me out into the city. Ivan wraps a scarf around his long neck. Every part of him is long. He looks curiously at me, and I realize I should be cold too. I zip up my windbreaker and shudder my shoulders a bit. Are you busy this weekend? He asks me. We have two days off before we leave for nine months. Yes, I say. I'm not, but I want him to think that I've made plans for my last weekend off before the grueling exhibition we're about to embark on. Of course you are. Save me a Monday, won't you? He hails a taxi. Wait, I say. Ivan opens the cab door for me, and I get in. His apartment is cluttered, comfortable, lived in. There's proof of life in the stacks of dishes, the open comic book, and the browning succulents. Do you want anything to drink? He offers. No, I say. I sit on his couch, sinking so far into it that I decide to stand instead. I'm reminded of my recruitment to this troupe. The way the director had invited me to his studio apartment for an audition, claiming the ballet studio to be fully booked that day. I had sunk into that couch, too. His hands had been rougher than mine, not with matte brushed paint, but with the calloused paws of a predator. I look to Ivan's hands, hands that catch me, whose calluses caress, and they invite me. My silence, or maybe my stillness, prompts Ivan to fill the space with words, to invite me with those, too. I think you're really strong, he says, not referring to my physicality. And I'm really thankful that we're paired together. I smile at him. I unzip my coat. He pulls off his scarf. You don't get caught up in all the drama. You just do the work. Drama? I want to laugh. I long to share my secrets. His hands are at my shirt's hem. My ceramic hands reach around the back of his long neck. Like nails on a chalkboard, touching him sends shivers down my spine. You're just... not complicated. His breath slides down my nose. I actually laugh at that, and Ivan's drooped eyelids widen. He's shocked by my outburst of emotion.
You have no idea, I say. I push him away. I feel exhilarated by his attention and affection. I become confident in his acceptance. I dim his lights to hide the inhuman frailty, the lack of veins beneath the skin, and the chalk in my creases. I avoid the sofa and guide him to his own bed. Ivan is the silent one as I transform in this moment. I'm taking on a new role, one I've always wanted to play. He's hesitant to respond to my sudden aggression. I'm pushing him, I'm pushing me, to feel this moment. I want to sweat and be uncomfortable and feel something new. As I glide over him on his bed, his hands tighten on my hips and he flips me under him. He's pressing into me and kissing my neck, and then I remember it's not new. And I feel tickles of a mustache he doesn't have. Stop, I say. He slows and leans off of me. He's unsurprised. I'd gotten his hopes up, though he didn't expect to get this far. I can feel his hope raise my leg as he crawls off the bed. I don't say the apology that he's expecting. I grab my things and leave. I hear him slam against his door as it closes behind me. He clicks the lock and bangs his hands again. I've never heard such aggression from him. The part of me that likes the fear of falling flickers. The part of me that wants to shatter goes back into the bedroom and tempers the aggression until it's consuming. Our tour debut is a sold-out show. The crowd murmurs in anticipation. The doll-faced ballerina is whispered to be of legendary perfection. We're on in five. Primas line up, tutus bouncing, and heads held high. They don't look at me as they pass, fluttering on stage to await the curtain rise. I fear that they know about the last night, but then again, they never look at me. It doesn't matter. We are not ourselves tonight. We are all pretending, and I don't feel so alone. We all are playing our parts, moving to another's whim, built to entertain an unfeeling beyond our roles. And yet, this is where I feel most myself, where I feel normal and thriving. I can be strange and stiff. I can be perfect and balanced. I can be inhuman. I don't have to pretend to be weary or sore or fidgety. I'm dressed as a bird, orange and exotic. There are feathers in my skirt and hair. My face is streaked in black and teal. I feel vibrant and unpredictable. I soar onto stage. We're twirling tops again, toys and animals and forces of nature. We bend and stretch. The music builds, my big toss is nearing. I fling my arms and flick my wrists, bend and swirl. And then Ivan is sweeping onto the stage. It's time for our pas de deux. He doesn't look at me. He doesn't whisper reassurances. He's winding my pirouette, faster than we rehearse. His fingers dig and his wrists twist. A quick spin and then they pull away. His hands don't linger and they don't leave warm imprints. His face flashes again and again in front of mine 
I see it for a second, spin through the audience, and then his face is there and gone again. He's angry. I've caressed some ego that remains unsatisfied. I slow my spinning, and he dips me. I bound from his grasp across the stage. I'm distracted, pulled out of my reprieve by our severed thread. The other birds circle me, flocking until they catch the sandalwood scent of him. I've tangled in the unknown, and my pack rejects my contamination. They flee the stage, and it's just Ivan and I. Our first aerial move will have the whole of our audience's attention. Ivan is waiting with outstretched arms as I leap at him, turn and bow, leaning down into a fish dive. My porcelain skin slides right through his sweaty hands. They clench, nails scraping along my exposed legs, no skin to dig into. His grip is too late. He'll catch me by the ankles instead of my waist. The black painted floor is looming. I'm plunging for it. I feel thin and frail and crave the plummet. The floor rushes at my face, and we collide. But I don't shatter. My head is still attached, all its pieces still intact. The world looks different somehow, though. I realize I'm still lying face down, only my face is tilted up, looking at the rest of the ballerinas, gawking behind me. My hands push up from the ground, and I realize my head has snapped backwards. I look out towards the audience, my head facing them, my body standing scraped and prostate, facing the back of the stage. Some have fled the building. Some are dialing emergency lines. Most are screaming. There are a few who are confused, as if they think this is still a part of the show. I look at them, and I laugh. And for a moment, I think I feel the pain in my stomach. Danica Miller is a graduate of Western Washington University with a BA in English. When not working as an overcaffeinated barista in the Pacific Northwest, Danica likes to read, hammock in absurd places, sneak snacks into movie theaters, and daydream about Disneyland. She has been published in Yellow Chair Review, Her Campus Online Magazine, and Jeopardy Magazine. She hopes to someday work as a young adult and children's literature editor. I just have to say I did that all in one take with no mistakes and that's I'm so impressed with you that literally never happens because I'm really bad at reading you're amazing yep I am thank you for that you're welcome so you just read this you know like five minutes ago and I just recorded and edited the recording yesterday so I think it's both pretty fresh in our minds and I wanted to start off by talking about how I thought it was kind of there were certain like very poetic parts I was going to say the thing. Like, especially at the beginning, right? There was the call and yes. response, like, they say this and I don't say whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of like the same sounds. Um, the second paragraph, sometimes at home in my house for a doll, I slouch, like, all those O sound, hard O, like, long O sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, my arms stretch out, reaching along the spine. It just sounds really good. The yeah. sentences have a good rhythm to them. You almost want to read them. It's 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 essentially a long prose poem, to be frank. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no care. I mean, there's what only one character name, mm-hmm. um, omniscient narrator. Mm-hmm. You know. And I, there... I I like it. It's really. I mean, I thought the story was good. 
definitely like stream of consciousness it's different from our you know regular narrative kind of yes stories that we've had in the past but i you know good to have different things i like it yeah i just pulled up the story in one like she does a lot of kind of alliteration things too like i just yes. found up uh found a sentence i pushed my pelvis to protrude i don't know it's just like it an added nice. yeah it's an added something to the story yeah and well, i think it gives, you know well, if it's about ball- being a ballerina i mean like that has all everything to do with timing and cadence and, mm-hmm. and beats and and things like that yeah i think absolutely Counting steps i don't know I was never a ballerina. <laughs> Neither was I, but it, it makes sense. Um, right. But also, I, you touched on something else. This was a little bit of a different story than we usually run. Like, usually most of our stories are like, I don't know exactly what the term is, but like contemporary fiction, realistic fiction. Realistic um, fiction. Realistic fiction. And this one was definitely a little bit off from that. But I thought it was very interesting, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I picked it, because it was different from what we've been doing yeah i mean it's 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 very of the mind um you know a little bit postmodern in that way that like it's the story is being told basically through her thoughts Mm -hmm. rather than through like action Mm -hmm. um yeah i love it and so i dance it just makes me think of like what's that like it just makes me think of like the 80s though for like a hot second yeah you know what i mean yeah but no i just right i like it uh, I wanted to jump on something you just said. You said that it was kind of like the story was all in her mind mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, so obviously, you know, we're trying to tie this episode into the last episode where there were a lot of body image um, kind of themes. And in this story, you know, obviously she's very conscious of her body and how she's made of porcelain and how she's different from everyone else. But I thought that there was a lot of like feeling in here too so the narrator keeps talking about wanting to feel physical pain because she can't you know she's talking about stretching and how the other dancers laugh when she can't like she doesn't have an appetite but she's definitely feeling a lot of emotional pain because she's an outsider and so I thought like in a story that was very much about the body it was really more about the mind and like her lack of acknowledgement of her pain or her like mental and emotional pain as opposed to the physical pain that she wants to feel um i thought could kind of be a reflection of like how in society we're very good at dealing with physical pain in terms of like you know allowing it to heal and having medicine for it and everything but we're still working on like getting over stigmas for like mental and emotional pain Oh, yeah. No, I totally agree. I was actually just talking about this with someone recently. How, who was I talking with about this? Doesn't matter, relevant. Um, but, you know, how we are so far behind in like recognizing that, I mean, your brain is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And like your body will give up at a certain point, but your, your brain, if you're, say we were like flies who like barely have brains or like fish, mm-hmm. you know, like little goldfish, mm-hmm. like they're, physically they're only running off a physical sense essentially like our minds can people cars because their mind like tell like can them to that point mm-hmm. and you know like the adrenaline and whatnot like it's a combination of the two things like you can't just your body is eventually going to give out your brain is going to go for way longer than your body can is able to mm-hmm. and that's crazy yeah. crazy and but we're like so much better at dealing with physical things than we are with mental things like mental illness is still such a stigma 
yeah, no, it is. And I mean, I, I can't place my finger on like what, what it is about this. Cause it's like, I get the mental illness thing, but it also seems like she, I don't know. I just, I, I can't put my finger on it. I had to think about it. I think maybe, maybe this isn't where you're going with this, but like she wanted the physical pain to distract from her like mental state of isolation and everything. Like she just wanted to feel something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. It, yeah, but like, what? See, what maybe the way it's what's confusing me is that in general, when people are having some, um, you know, mental illness of some sort, it's because they like, like anorexia, for for example, mm-hmm. like that is a that's a partially a mental disorder or mental mentally illness mm-hmm. because your your brain is like tricking you to think that you're like fat when you're not like to her mental illness is not associated with her body like a, like a bodily imperfection like her body is porcelain she's a doll she's perfect mm-hmm. so it then maybe that's what's like i can't put my finger on it's like because it's so it the body and the mind thing is not the same and i guess i mean it, i'm sure there are people in this world that have you know these problems of like like models and like I don't know, who, like Kylie Jenner, who has like the perfect body. She's definitely not emotionally or mentally stable. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, you know. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's why it took me a minutes. And it's interesting to try to think about something like that from that perspective because it's not again, like obviously it's not something that we think about a lot. Right. And yeah, I thought it was interesting, but it, it like kind of think a little bit like, yeah, these people who or, or you know what it's like too this is kind of not really related to body image which you're gonna be mad at me because that's what we're supposed to be talking about but um you know that girl that um they she was this is is on the news like um recently she was on like a cross-country team in college and she like seemed so happy on instagram and like everyone like thought she was like super happy and she committed suicide like not too not very long ago Mm -hmm. and um everyone was like i don't understand what was wrong like she seemed so happy like all of her pictures on instagram she was so happy like doing it with all her friends blah, blah blah and everyone's like yeah because instagram's not real fucking stupid people like instagram is fake and like how she was she was so like in such in so much turmoil but nobody noticed because her like her, her social media presence was that's what they were taking they were taking that as her word of like oh my life is fine like i'm doing great and like that that kind of reminds me of this it's like well how could you possibly be upset with yourself like you're perfect yeah you that, beautiful you're beautiful like, what, and like and like that's kind of fucked up because even beautiful people have problems like i feel like celebrities again maybe that's why i mentioned kylie jenner like even celebrities get into this like kind of place where like oh shit like yeah maybe i have everything i could ever want but i'm still not happy Mm -hmm. i think that that totally ties in that's like perfect because i think ivan kind of says that a little bit he's like wow you like you're so perfect but she knows that like there are a lot of things that are not wrong with her but just like things that she hasn't worked out yet and um so yeah i think that's like because she she has the perfect body she's a doll she's literally sculpted so yeah, that that totally, you know, not everything is as it seems, kind of thing, you know. Yeah, no, it's it's it was kind of it was in, it was an interesting 
it was an interesting story. That's why yeah. I, I did like it. Looks... But the end, I just I wish there was more. I'm always saying this. I feel. Yeah. I'm always saying that I wish there was more. Yeah. Well, but I do. I wish there was more. We'll get to that. Sorry, I wanted to make one oh, more. Sorry. Like tying it into the last episode, like everybody assumed that our narrator was a fe- uh, male because she just put it on so well, and I think that we kind of have a similar situation here of just you know appearances can be deceiving and you know not everything that you see is is actually what's going on mm-hmm. um yeah and i had one more thing before we got to the end i don't know if you have anything more too um, um no i mean ivan's a kind of a creep but i also yeah. it's but but it's a perfect like maybe you know but you know what? i take that back he maybe he's not a creep maybe it's kind of a good way like um a good way of representing like how our society views like like you know I'll just use my mom for example because I know she doesn't listen to this show like my mom does not understand what mental illness is right like she doesn't understand it and like or she, and, like she can understand like what it means in general like the definition of it but she doesn't get that like that it, it manifests differently in different people she doesn't you know so like may like maybe he just like didn't get it he was like and you know combination of like oh she's so perfect looking blah 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 like mm-hmm. all those things that it was you know i don't know brings up a lot of issues yeah they're also they're interactions miller is such a ballerina name by the way really? okay yeah i can see that i feel like can you see that yeah i'm totally like that's totally a ballerina name yeah like she this girl might be a ballerina she might be i don't know she didn't put it in her bio so not sure i, I want to know um I thought it was pretty interesting, um, and this like sort of ties back to something we talked about last week, doesn't really, but um, mm-hmm. how the narrator kind of felt best when everything was in chaos, like in their first performance at the end. Um, oh, yeah, she was like loving it. She was like getting off on the chaos. Yeah, I, I picked out the Which line. kind of fucked up, but also kind of cool. Yeah, I picked out the line, we're all pretending and I don't feel so alone. Um, oh, mm. And I felt like that was kind of true of our narrator from Fruit on a Vine from last week because she was happiest when everyone was accepting of who she was trying to be, when everyone was kind of on a, when everyone was kind of on an even playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like our narrator is kind of in the same boat now when, you know, she's happiest mm. when everybody is, everybody feels like they're pretending. Right. I um, want to know why she's pretending though, this girl. I want to know. Yeah. I like we're, we're not. Yeah, we're not given that information, like you said. Yeah, like, um, what, yeah, like what's maybe that's uh, I don't know. I th- I think, it's, yeah, I I can see what you're saying. I can see your point of you know it'd be really nice to know like how she came about, but I think that's also I like, always want to know. Yeah, I always want to know. It just like like adds to the allure, like to the mystery of the story a little bit for me. It does. No, you're right. I'm just nosy. I'm a nosy Parker. That's all right. Um, yeah. So what you really wanted to know about was the end of the story. Yeah. So I have some like some questions that maybe can help spark our discussion a little bit. Oh yeah. Like Wicked. more specific discussion, than just like discussion questions. Discussion questions. So Wicked. I thought there was kind of a parallel again. This was not like super planned, but um, to last week's episode where Gilda came back with her ears cut off, like clearly a punishment. <laughs> Um, from the Lutherans that she returned to that she had kind of scorned in a way. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. think that Ivan was punishing our narrator by, like, it didn't seem like he was intentionally letting her fall, but she, at oh, the I end of it... I don't think he intentionally let her fall. No, okay. I think I think she wanted to fall, and I feel like she 
when she did like she i don't i mean it doesn't really say in it but like i have a feeling she kind of almost even tried to execute that where she fell Hmm. okay i think that's what she was going for i could see that i could also see like just ivan having that like split second distraction of like hey things are not exactly like harmonious between us and that just like caught his cough like got his concentration just off enough that he missed it but um where that wouldn't really be a punishment i guess but um so so you think you don't do you think it's an accident like that was an accident you sound like you think that she did on purpose i think it was i i think if it wasn't i think if it was anybody it was her Mm -hmm. but i think that it was probably like i think it was an accident but she was kind of like yes this is great yeah i mean uh, she she talked about that a lot right about wanting to fall and everything right 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 so i think i think she she was like kind of because i but i feel like she couldn't have like been the sole executor of that plan because i feel like that just wasn't in her character Because you know? she's so perfect, like right, how right. did she not execute how the move be perfectly? How would she able to do that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it was like a, I feel, and I feel like she was so like, kind of like, just like elated by it because like she was like yes, like I finally am getting what I want like out of this like world kind of thing like mm-hmm. the world's working for me now like instead of working against me. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and what did you think about, we sort of talked about this at the beginning of our call, but, um, about the head snapping backwards instead of her shattering, like, it seems like she wanted to shatter. I don't know if that's because she thought that that's what would happen to her if she ever fell or did anything like that, but instead her head just kind of, it sounds more like it, like the back of her head was touching her back kind of thing. I think it would have been cool because this she's Danica's a good writer, so I think it would she would have described it really well mm-hmm. if like she described her shattering and everyone was like, "What the fuck? This girl just shattered into pieces. This is really weird. Like, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. But I even get even better that she didn't because then it was like, "Now you're really she's really playing to the mental Ill, illness factor of it." Is that like this was all in her head? Like she thought that she was this like mm. this kind of like sh- this shattering being, and she's actually you know skin and bones and blood and like. A real person mm-hmm. and it's it's not a pers- a society perceptive thing it's a inside her mind perceptive thing interesting i also think it could be like um one that she's like stronger than she thinks she is because she doesn't shatter just like obviously she's pretty horribly um disfigured but you know maybe mm-hmm. she's stronger than she thinks she is but also i think it's kind of a good thing that she didn't shatter because it kind of makes her face the consequences of what she did you know mm. if she just shatters she's she's gone she's done but danica right. like made her i don't know she's she doesn't really deal with it that much but she it, it makes her like acknowledge like okay this just happened and you know how do you react to that which i think is a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. yeah i like that i like that i think it was interesting i think it was i think it was you know as much as the stories are similar I think this story and the other story are very different. Oh yeah, definitely. They're oh, okay, they're good. like kind of superficial things that you can link between the two of them, but um, Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, totally very different. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. 
I like it. Yeah, I definitely liked it too. So I want to thank Danica for sending us her story, Dollface. Um, I want to thank Colleen again for hosting with me. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, yes, keep on listening, people. Keep you on open listening. those ears. Spread the word. Um, yeah. I want to thank Chloe Mixovic again for helping to edit all these episodes. She's been doing mm-hmm. a great job. And we'll see everybody next week. Next week. Listen up. <laughs> that was so cool, right? We would be so terrible on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's... They would kick us off. Yeah, nobody's asking me to do radio. What's up? Um. Oh no! I said, "Listen up." Oh, you said, "What's up?" <laughs> and that <laughs> would have been much worse. Ending. That would make no sense. Yeah, that would have been. That was much worse. <laughs>